Um, thank you so much for joining us, Lucy. It's, it's an honour to have you on board. And yeah, we'll, we'll try and get around um, as many people as possible. There are a, a couple of things I'd like to quickly ask you first. Run at it, shouting! Do as he says, run at it, shouting. Gaza Dance School. Those of you who have donated, you know, thank you so much. Uh, um, could yeah. you tell us a bit about your connection with that and why you chose it today? It's, it's a dance school that I've supported for about four or five years in Gaza because I really believe that dance is one of the things that you can do at any time. You can do it and um, you don't need somebody to give you a job like acting. And it's run by a really nice guy who I know from Palestine who lives in America now. And he said, he's a great dancer. And as you probably know, it's quite difficult to get out of Palestine. And what I really admire about him, he's, he works as a cancer nurse in America now, but he still keeps the school going and supports it. And it's just a place for kids though to do break dance. It's nothing, it's not a big charity. It's not actually a charity. They just do their own fundraising. And, you know, sometimes he'll send me a message saying, oh, you know, we need 200 euros to pay the rent or something like that. And I just, I normally just send it to, I don't do a lot of crowdfunding for it, but it is something that's very close to my heart. And it's, it's a place where kids go, boys, girls, their own community isn't particularly keen on it because breakdancing is sort of not, you know, traditionally Palestinian. And, you know, they have a tough time doing their thing but they're always so happy and they're very non-political. They're always very supportive. I mean, I suppose it might be a little bit more political at the moment because it's been really tough. You know, some of the families have been sleeping in the school, their houses have been bombed. Um, they're going out as well and teaching in the camps. It's called Camp Breakers, Gaza. And I just like my relationship with them. I always feel like, you know, if you can reach out in the world, and it's such a strange world that we live in, but I always feel that the kids there, and they're all young because I mean, even the people, even the teachers are kids, really, for me, that they feel like there's some, you know, mad middle aged lady living in Spain who cares. And it's just about a very personal connection and something that I'm very keen on, you know, being able to help. And it's, you know, we can't change the world a lot, but if you can change just one or two people's lives or make them feel that somebody cares, I think that's something I believe in. Yeah, that's great. And I would love you to, to talk about um, something that I personally suffer from at times as well, um, actors' nerves um, and how we should approach our work. All right. I mean, I know there's some of the people who've done courses with me here, so they know that I'm very interested in nerves because I believe that casting directors, are, part of our job is to get actors to do good auditions. And we don't really talk about that a lot. And one of the things that stops actors doing good auditions is nerves. And, you know, I'm sorry for the people who've heard me say this over and over again, as people who've done the courses with me here, like Flavina or Maria or Jenny or Guillaume. But I really believe that nerves, and I studied them a lot, can be analysed in three different... There's three different things that cause nerves. And one is if you, have, um, if you haven't prepared enough, so you're not ready. So that's nerves, and that's really easy to fix. You know, it's a really hard profession, this. You just have to work harder, get up earlier, sleep less, know your lines, be prepared. And if you're prepared and your nerves are just because you're not prepared, then they go away. The second reason that people get nervous, I think, is if they have a very um, negative inner voice. 
And I really think that if you have a negative inner voice as an actor, you need, or even as a human being, as anyone, if your voice isn't being as kind to you as you are to your fellow actors, you know, if you're saying, I'm not good enough, nobody wants me here, and it's coming, and then voice, then you should work on that in some kind of therapy or just even just recognizing that you're not being kind to yourself. Being an actor is really tough. So it's a tough profession and you have to be very vulnerable to be a good actor, but you have to be tough to survive in this industry. So if you find that your voice that you're talking to yourself is, just try to do a role play. You can't tell the voice to shut up, but just say, okay, you might think that I'm too fat, too thin, too whatever, but somebody wanted me to come to this casting and somebody believes me. So try and change that this voice. And then the third reason that people are nervous is a good reason. It's like stress, it's motivating. That's why you chose to be actors because it's that butterflies in your stomach. It's the same feeling that you get when you go to meet somebody that you've fallen in love with. And you don't go, you know, you need that, you have that feeling of excitement. That's why you do this. But people, when they fight their nerves because they think they shouldn't be nervous, then they get stiff or they shake. You don't shake because you're nervous. You shake because you're trying not to be nervous. You don't get stiff because you're nervous. You're, you get stiff because you're trying not to be nervous. So that, my message really is, just make friends with your nerves. When you feel nervous, think, oh, that's good. That's going to make me better. I'm nervous because I care. And we know that you're nervous in auditions. And we know it's because you care. But it's so just embrace them. It's the same with stress. I think one of the biggest problems at the world at the moment with nerves and stress is we're telling ourselves they're bad. But you know, when I get stressed, it motivates me to do more stuff, to work harder, um, make things work. And it's because I see it as a positive thing. And it's the same with nerves, use them to make yourself better. Oh, Gabisha's here as well. Hello, Gabisha. <laughs> um, and just use your nerves as a motivation and just make friends with them. That would be my advice. Thank you. What I really, one of the things I love to tell actors, and I tell them a lot at the moment, is one of the biggest problems that I think actors have is that you see yourselves as job seekers. And I think that you should see yourself as service providers. You know, we need actors in the industry. We need you guys. We need you to be good. But there is no, you are necessary. And when you go to a casting, you're not looking for a job. You're just showing your craft. You're showing your art. And then if you're right for the job, you'll get it. And if you're not right for the job, it's because somebody else is more right. And it's often things that you can't really control. You can't, um, you can't make yourself, you know, I often think actors think that we do castings like we're judging, you know, ice skating. You know, somebody holds up nine, somebody holds up an eight, the a seven, and then we do the ads, then the person who gets the highest points gets a role. It's not like that. It's based on instinct. It's based on, oh, that person's right, or I like that person's energy, or that person could fill that role in a way. The roles are looking for you. And most of the actors I know seem to think that the role, that they're looking for the role, that they're looking for more work. And it's absolutely the other way around. The role is looking for you, but the role can only find one actor. It's not, there's no second prizes for actors. So the more that you see yourself, oh, and I've seen Fernando Vargas from Ecuador is here as well. No, lots of people from all over the world. Um, I think it's very important that you just see yourselves as artists who are offering their work. Like you're doing, like, uh, like an artist 
who puts a show on. That's what you're doing when you come to an act, come to acting, to an audition. You're just going to show what you love doing, what you do, what your proposal is for that role. And then if you get it, that's great. This is very difficult. I know this is difficult advice because people are trying to make their living out of acting. So I understand that it's complicated because, you know, the idea that you want to make money as well, you know, out of it comes in and it, that's particularly difficult at, at the moment. But on the other hand, it's just about embracing the fact that what when you can feel relaxed, showing your craft, showing what you can do, you're much more likely to look right for the role and then you'll get it. And if you don't get it, it's just because somebody else was more what they were looking for. And there's really very little that you can do to influence that. Mm. Great. And that um, reminded me of, um, obviously, as a, a, actors, we're, we're all individuals. And then when you said, you know, but look, look at casting directors as all individuals. So there was one thing you said that I hadn't heard before, which was about... Um, because obviously we're doing a lot of self-tapes now and it was about eyelines when doing the, the self-tape. And um, about- It was more about doing, what I was talking about was when you're doing them online rather yeah. than the self-tape. I think the self-tape can still do it, you know, respecting the fourth wall rule. But when you do online auditions, sometimes, you know, everybody, we've got so much more used to doing stuff online. So the last online auditions I've done, they wanted the eyeline just to be kind of more or less where I'm doing now, which is just below camera. And it's just playing around with eyelines, working out. The industry's always changing. You know, there's always development. I think self-tapes is still better in general not to do them to camera. And then when you get calls for a callback online, because nearly all callbacks are online now, particularly for American productions, just to be aware that they might want you to look closer to camera than you would normally. Because looking over here is kind of very difficult when you're doing an online audition and somebody's asking you to do things and then you look like you're looking at camera because it creates a very unnecessary tension and we're all much more used to seeing people looking at us to camera now after a year and a half of zooming <laughs> great well um i think i'll i'll open it up if that's okay lucy now um if you wasn't here at the start to to ask a question or comment just um just raise your hand virtually via participants or the reactions button. Um, and I can see Zarima. Um, um, yes, sorry, Zarima. Great. Fire away. Oh, great, great, great. Um, hi, Lucy, lovely to meet you. How are you? I'm good. Um, good, good. I was wondering, so I'm based in London and I know that you're based in Spain. How likely are you to see actors who are based elsewhere, um, just, just in general? Um, I think that's one of the things that I really, really think I want actors to know is that there isn't an in general, because I don't know what project okay. I'm going to do. I don't know who I'm going to be looking for. No casting director does. So it would depend on, you know, I suddenly, you know, I might be looking for, you know, somebody who speaks a language, then I'll look anywhere. You know, at the moment I'm looking for Egyptians. I don't care where they're from, but they have to be able to work in Spain. Um, sometimes I'm looking for people who are British for projects in Spain. Sometimes I'm looking, it's slightly more complicated now because of Brexit, because British actors have to have visas. So, you know, we're looking at other places in Europe where people are based or illegal to work. But they're going to sort that out. It's not going to be for a very long time that 
I don't think. And it just depends on what the role requires. I mean, I'm obviously not going to go and look for, you know, a Spanish actor in London. Because I've got, you know, there's plenty of those here. But, you know, in terms of I might need somebody who looks Latino, and there are less Latino looking people in Spain than you would imagine. I might go to London. I might be looking for somebody who's Spanish who's, um, or English who speaks Spanish. Or, you know, last year I was looking for people who spoke Pashtun. So I looked everywhere that I could possibly do. It really just depends on the project, you know, and it changes every project that I do. Also, I think it's very different for me. I was thinking about this after the workshop we did on Saturday. It's very different for me because I work out in Spain, but I, I'm not, I work on every single kind of genre that you can imagine because I do the English language stuff here. So I could be doing a very, very um, independent auteur film one at the same time as doing a Netflix series. And they have very, very different requirements. And, you know, and sometimes I'm casting, you know, for projects that have American or British casting directors attached and we work as a team. And sometimes I'm going out to look for people to be in Spanish productions that are independent. And it just depends, basically. Right, so it's okay to sort of contact you with a hello email, even though, say, I'm based in a different country. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that I'll, I mean, it's what I say often, you know, like, there's people, you know, for example, on this Zoom who I know really well. I don't know, and I really, really like. There's no guarantee, like, that's going back to my first point is that you're not a job seeker. Like you're now on my radar, you've done a Q&A with me. You know, the way I like people to stay on my radar is just to kind of follow me on Instagram. And of course you can send me material, but I don't really go through people's material um, as much because I'll never be able to find a job for an actor. I have some, some of my closest friends are actors and I've never cast them. So I just keep people on file very gently. And then if something comes up, then I'd probably ask them for an audition. But it's not like I see an actor and think, oh, they're amazing. I'm going to get them in for a self-tape because I don't know what the projects are. It's like, so for example, at the moment, I have very little interest this week or today in anybody who's not a 14-year-old Egyptian-speaking person. So if any of you are 14-year-old Egyptians or have brothers and sisters, send them to me. Whereas next week, I might be looking for, um, you know, uh, English lady living in Mallorca. And then I would probably call Jenny and get her to do an audition. Or I might be looking for a Lithuanian and then I'd be like, oh, right, there's Kavisha. Um, I'll call her. Or it just depends on the project. But you can always reach out. I think the thing I said to people, and I say it a lot, is when you're trying, just you just get onto people's radar in a very gentle way so that people will know how to find you. You work with your agents. And then will people will kind of, and you stay on it as gently as possible. Um, right. Which is like why lots of the people here, I know them already. And, you know, I certainly don't forget people. So you can send it. Oh, what I really wanted to say in terms of actors is that when you are feeling bad about your career and about not getting work, remember you're not a job seeker. So just go and do the thing that you love, which is acting. Because so many actors write, when they're feeling bad about their careers, they write to casting directors. And we generally ignore you, you know, or we send a very simple letter back. Thank you very much. We'll keep you on file which I try to do, but I, you know, I've got, we get thousands and thousands of emails and we only get really interested when we're actually looking for somebody that we can cast because we're not agents. We're not out there looking for work for actors. We're looking for actors for specific roles. But okay. being on people's radar is very important. 
Does that okay. answer your question? It does, yes. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to take up anybody's um, time, but it's, yeah, I guess it's, it's okay to, as long as it's in a gentle way and maybe uh, through Instagram, it should be fine. Yeah, or even by Nima. But remember, we need you guys just as much as you need us. But you have to make the industry want you more. And remember, you, as an actor, you never have to tell the casting director that you're looking for work. Like, okay. I know, you know, it's one of those things that people always write, say, oh, I'd love to work with you, I'd love to. And again, I know. Like, I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean that, you know, the very, it's like, think, you know, a dentist wants to fix my teeth, an architect will want to build my house, and an actor will want to be cast. You know, and it doesn't matter how famous they are or how, if they're just starting, that's your service that you're offering. That's your profession. So you don't have to express a need for it in a way. You just have to be, you know, like a perfect example would be like, you know, you're now all on my radar. I could see you all, you know, whatever. Then you might say, oh, you know, I saw your workshop. Here's my material just in case you're ever looking for somebody in England or I'm in Spain or whatever. And then I may or may not, you know, reply because sometimes I don't because I'm incredibly busy, you know, and it takes a long time. But you'll just be there. And then you can know that if I was looking for you, I would know where to find you. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Um, next, we have Priyanka. Hello. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Priyanka. Hey. Um, so my question is, obviously, we've all moved towards online self-tapes and callbacks as well online. Um, there's not much happening um, in the room. And going to other casting director workshops and speaking to people in the industry, it seems like this is the, um, the way we're going to be doing things for a while. Um, as an actor, I feel like we lose that connection when we're in the room with the casting director who can like tell us to do a scene in a different way. We, we have to make that firm choice, how we're conducting our self-tape and submitting it. When you receive a self-tape from an actor, and you think, oh, they're good, but they may not have made the right choice in the scene as you would like to. Do you reach out to them and get them to tape again or give them more direction? Or do you just have like so many self tapes that you just move on to someone who's made a right choice? It really depends, but usually we only ask for self tapes. Like, and this is my problem, we only ask for self tapes from people that we really think have got a chance. And then if they, if they're really good, but they've made a wrong choice, that's going to negatively impact the people that we're presenting it to, I quite often call them up. And then I'll, I quite often do Zoom recalls like that. I'll just say that it might be like an example of the last week, somebody did quite a weird, because I think you guys, sometimes you want to have fun when you're doing self-tapes, you do very weird things and she's done something very weird. And she goes to pronounce the lead character and it's the second season of the series, she pronounced it wrong. And I was like, so I said to Mike, who's my associate, I said, Mike, just call her, we'll do it on Zoom. And then we just pass it on Zoom. She did it and she got the role. Basically. Oh, that's brilliant. That's really good to know. Yeah. So it's just like, and we know that it's difficult. I mean, it's like, you know, it's really tough to make decisions. It's really tough not being in the room. You have to know that there are, you know, there's huge advantages to not being in the room. And they're completely opposite to the huge disadvantages of not being in the room. So, I'm very believing, let, let's concentrate on the positive. Like 
we can see more people. I can see people from more all around the world. You can take your time. You can, you know, you can do it. You can fit self tapes around your jobs if you have jobs. Um, you know, you can have fun doing them, whatever. And then the disadvantages are that you don't get that direction and feedback, which I don't like. I like to direct actors. I like directors to feel like they're directed. So it's just, um, you know, let's just go with the advantages at the moment. Also, do you, how do you feel about having two different, very different takes? Do you, do you like that or do you prefer? It's just like everything, it depends on the scene. Because okay. sometimes there's no, you know, there's no point doing different um, a different take just because, and that's my office. And it's there's because the other thing I really want to say that remember, guys, you know, like just like you guys are all individual and want to be take, treated as individuals, all casting directors are individuals as well. And it's really important to remember that the offices send out their instructions. I know that there are you know a lot of UK casting directors who only want one take, so give them what they want. And I don't mind, I quite like having two takes, but only if it's really necessary. This, you know, and then sometimes I send both of them and sometimes I only send one. It just depends on the, um, on the, if the take requires it, okay? Great, it's good to know what, what you like, thank you. You're very welcome. Hey, um, Sahida. Let me find the button to myself. Hi, everybody. Hi, Sahida, how are hey. you? doing amazing thank you for having me wonderful to talk to you um i was wondering what can an actor be doing to like get noticed more of course you can drop like self-tapes and you can do that on social media and stuff but when i analyze the business there is one like a point for actors such as i don't know uh, maybe angelina jolie like in the beginning of her acting career, she does like small parts, but then there comes a bridge. And that bridge is like that she can get cast, uh, like casted for different types of roles, right? Where she can really play into the characters, really bring them to life. But that's then like how I analyze it is that like many different casting directors will give her the chance to bring those characters to life. Whereas at the beginning of an actor's career, it's more like typecasting. Um, so how can you, as an actor, make that bridge into casting directors wanting to work with you as the opposite of an actor wants to get noticed, like you've been talking about like this evening, not wanting the job, but more manifesting and let the great roles come to you. What's, what's that mindset? Like, how can you anticipate on that? I don't think you can. I mean, it's one of those things is there is, you know, there are trump cards that you can have in this industry and you either have them or you don't. And one is extreme talent. So then if you're extremely talented, you go in and people just sit up and it's like, okay. Or you can be like Angelina Jolie, who's also extremely talented and very hardworking, but she also comes from like Hollywood royalty. Right, right. I didn't no, know. I mean, it's like, you know, it's not like she was kind of getting on the bus to LA from you know, the middle of nowhere and turning up, like, you know. Right, like I did from Amsterdam to LA and lived there for three years. Yeah, yeah, and it's just about, and sometimes it's luck, it's, you know, for me and for people who know me well know that I say this, this is a game of poker and you can win with very good hand or you can lose with a very good hand because there are plenty of people from Hollywood royalty who have zero careers 
okay? And there are plenty of people who come from nowhere who have amazing careers. I think it's about, my advice is to lean into the career, you know, lean in, never feel like you, now you guys, I don't know all of you, but the ones I do are very well-trained actors. You act, so act like you're part of the career. Don't act like you're trying to break in. Right. That's what I mean by leaning in. It's, there's yeah. a, you know, a book about leaning in by, you know, what, oh, I can't remember the name now. Well, is, it, is, it, is it called Leaning In? I will look yeah, it up. Yeah, it's called Leaning In. And then it's a book by the woman who runs Facebook. So oh, but it it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's about showing up. It's about being part of the industry. It's going to see other people. It's going to supporting other actors showing up you don't know I mean I'm an example of that I have an incredibly successful career I'm very happy with my career I don't come from a film background I don't come come from a very small village in Ireland and I moved to Spain I left my village when I was 16 and I moved to Spain for the first time when I was 19 but I've been going to the theatre in this country for 30 years I've been going since my 20th birthday I've gone to see people I'll go to see any opening you know people I just showed up Right. And I lent in and I'm very, very, and I don't particularly, I mean, I live in a country where half the people, you know, people speak Catalan here and my Catalan is very poor, but I've been going to see theatre in Catalan for 30 years. And I've worked for the, you know, the top Catalan production companies and the top Catalan um, theatre companies. I was a tour manager very early on in my career. And it was just by showing up and being interested, involved, and behaving like I belonged. Yeah, because really being that passionate to be like, this is like the oxygen that I need. Yeah, yeah. To just be there, right. And then it's kind of like what I was going about, not being needy. And it's a very weird thing about make the industry want you more than you want them. And I could talk about this, any of these questions, sorry, Trina, I could talk about them for hours and hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I think it's so interesting, but I really wanted this topic to discuss with you because I feel like, especially because of the whole line of your career and the wonderful things you've did, you're such an inspiration and such a blessing. I am manifesting to somewhere, even if I get 60, to work with you. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for, for yeah, replying. It's just about leaning in and yeah. just trust I mean, the thing that is really difficult, and I think it's a great mistake in acting for me, and I, I just want to say this because this is really important, is that a successful actor is somebody who makes most of their income from acting, and that's it. And then the Hollywood stars make people have a distorted opinion of what being successful as an actor is. Right. So there are very few people in the A-listers. It's like when people ask me to cast names, I'm like, yeah, but they're going to ask every single casting director in the world for those same names. So if you're Ryan Gosling or you're Angelina Jolie, you're on the list. You choose your projects. But if we went around and I, I, I teach directors sometimes and I get very angry with them because they put the same names on. You know, if you ask who's and, and I could do the exercise here, I do it right. in courses. Um, but to be a successful actor, that would be like me um, basing my retirement plan on winning the lottery. Right, right, right. Something that you can. So it's right. like you can't. People my age, right now, will win the lottery in their countries. But if you base your career on winning the lottery, which is becoming an A-lister, then you're going to have. It may happen. It may not happen. But you're going to have a very miserable career. And also, being a Hollywood A-lister is really miserable. By the way, it's not fun. You know, you get to play great roles, but you're, um, you know, and you have a lot of money, but you don't know who your friends are and you can't trust people. And then your father takes all your money if you're Britney Spears. And That's a lonely existence. And it's a kind of, it's a lonely world to be at the top. So 
it's one of those things just to be aware that if you and it's I think it's also because your family and your your loved ones think that you're not successful unless you have a Hollywood mansion so it's very important to be aware that being a successful actor is somebody who just lives off it and it's not a hugely well-paid career most actors didn't do this to become rich right or famous you do it because you have a light inside you and you want right. to act so it's keeping that alive yeah well thank you so much for, for me it's that exact thing i'm like so focused on so many different things but acting is one of the the main things that i actually just need in my life to exhilarate to let loose to just you know inspire other people so um thank you once more for this insight i really welcome. appreciate it you're very very welcome mm -hmm. um chris you're right mate <laughs> Hey, hi Lucy, how you doing? Good, how are you? Very good. Thanks for all the advice so far. It's brilliant. It's uh, great to listen to and take it all on board. I'm definitely on record with my eyes. It's fantastic. Um, I had a little question based on what you said earlier on about you were thinking that at the moment, depending on where you're based, can have an effect on uh, where you can work. Um, one thing I've been looking into at the moment is I've got a lot of Irish heritage and I'm looking to get my Irish passport. And I'm in the middle of doing that at the moment. And the, the queue is, I think it's something like a year. But based on what you just said, do you, do you think there's gonna be a workaround then? Do you think it's not gonna be so important to worry about that kind of thing when looking at European projects? I don't know, get your Irish passport. You know, that's the <laughs> thing to do. Just, I mean, anything that you can do to help do it. I mean, that's the thing as well, you know, the advice I give to actors, like, it, I hate borders, I hate those kind of things, I think everybody should be able to work everywhere, I think things should move less and people should move more, which is the anarchist thing, so, you know, avocados should stay where avocados are grown, but people should be able to move, but I think it's one of those things that, you know, in terms of advice, there isn't any general advice. If you can get an Irish passport, get an Irish passport, because it will always be an advantage to you. And then keep the British passport as well. But I think that people will move forward. It just depends what happens. The industry is always changing, but you know, people love British actors. So I sure, I'm sure they're gonna still want to work out a way. And it's much easier now to get visas, for example, in Spain than it was before, but they don't qualify for some of the production and grants. So they're only aware of the names at the moment. And with commercials, they've worked out how to get visas. So it, it does, it is changing. Okay. Changing, but slow. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Uh, Jezinda. Hi there. Hello. Hi. Thanks for virtually meeting. Sorry, I'm losing my voice a bit. Um, the question I wanted to ask today was um, just generally about show reels. I guess, do you like watching them? Do you watch like a minute into it? Just general advice about reels, really. Okay, I suppose my advice about reels is put your best work first. Remember, it's a little bit like what I was saying earlier um, to Priyanka, I think it was to Priyanka, was that it depends on what we're looking for. So if I'm looking for somebody and agents or people submit their show reels, I will really look at them. But we don't look at showreels in the way I think that actors think that we do, because we're not looking to see where we're going to put actors. It's the other way around. So, like, if I'm looking for, um, you know, a 
Egyptian, which I'm looking for at the moment, and somebody sends me their showreel, I will watch his showreel to see if it's good. But I don't, it's not my hobby. You know, quite often actors get, you know, like during lockdown was a really good example. People kept sending me their showreels and saying, oh, now you've got time, you'll be able to watch my showreel. And I'd be like, I want to watch something on Netflix. I don't want to spend four and a half hours watching showreels. And, you know, or if somebody's done a film, I'd much prefer to see the film. You know, if you said, oh, you know, I'm Jacinda and I've been in this, it's great. Then I'll watch the film because I like watching films. So we do watch, we do watch showreels and I do watch them, you know, for um, when I'm in a project. I do watch them when somebody sends them to me, if there's somebody that's a profiler I'm particularly interested in. So if an English person, an English speaking person moves to Barcelona, which is my primary place, then I'll be like, oh, I'll watch that. Or if a drama school asks me to watch people's showreels, I'll watch them. But I don't spend, you know, it's not my hobby to sit around watching showreels because quite often showreels aren't that good. And I don't really like showreels. I don't like them that much because um, usually they're not really reflective of what's happening. And I know lots of lot other casting directors do, but you know, it's like you watch, I'm trying, I'm trying to think how to say this. You know, for example, when I get actors, every actor who's at the middle stage of their career has got a hospital drama scene because everybody in Spain has done Hospital Central and everybody in England has done one in America, you know, everybody's got one. And if I'm putting that person forward for a film role, I don't want the director to think that they're a TV actor. So I'll cut that out or I won't show the show reel. And then there's this new thing at the moment where everybody's paying to get their show reels made. And I just think that's mean because I think your show reel is meant to be work that you've done. And I totally get why people do it and I understand it. But, you know, watching sort of, you know, not greatly filmed scenes that have been done in a car park somewhere, you know, isn't that helpful sometimes, but agents won't take people without showreels. So then people have to have showreels. I like about me videos. I mean, I like to see people's showreels when I have, but I also like seeing what somebody's essence is. I'd like to see, oh, they look interesting and I'll get them to do a self-tape. And I can tell a lot more about somebody from a self-tape than I can when I'm looking for a project than I can about showreels. Okay, cool. That's kind of thing, but I still know that showreels are important and everybody asks for them. So my advice is put your best week work first and keep them under three minutes. And if you only have one scene, you only have one scene, you know. Is it right then that I have, because I do have a show reel, but I also made like a self-tape reel. So all the self-tapes that I've liked with permission, I've made into a reel. So you're saying that's right to have out there like for someone option to prefer watch that or? No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> In my, I mean, some people, and I know some people say that, I don't think you should put out self-tapes for two reasons. One is if they've been, there's, well, there's three reasons. One, if they're self-tapes that you've done for projects, they're usually under an NDA, so you shouldn't be putting them out. Like I hate, even agents sometimes send me, oh, so-and-so did a really good self-tape, and I'd be like, I really hope you're not sending my self-tapes out to other casting directors because it's projects that are I've signed an NDA I've made the actor sign an NDA or even when they haven't there's this idea that you shouldn't be able to see the scene from Warrior Nun season two before Warrior season two has actually come out the second reason is I don't think you should put out stuff when you've done a self-tape for it that you didn't get the role 
is it's automatically saying that there was somebody else who was better for that role than you. Even though it's not true, I mean, it's not actually true because it might be you were perfect for it, but they chose somebody else. And then the third reason is that the ones that, I use lots of self-tapes in courses I do and things like that, but if they're from something very well known, then you never compare favorably. I mean, having something interesting that you film is kind of better, I think. Like something original. Oh. And then, or an about me video. But I don't think you should have a re real, I mean, you can share them. It also depends on who you're sharing it with. You know what I mean? I don't mean, it's like not having it on your webpage or in your spotlight, but it might be that you're trying to get an agent and then you would share the showreels with that, the, show, um, the self-tapes, because they would see that you were amazing and brilliant and then that you would make them proud by sending you forward. So it's kind of, it's every situation is slightly different. Thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome, Jazinda. Um, Hazel. Maybe we'll go to Victor and come back to Hazel. Hello, good afternoon, or good evening, I should say. I'm here in California. So I'm Hi, glad Victor. to hear. Hi, how do you say? It's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, my comment was just to say you're looking for a young Middle Eastern uh, actor, actor or actress? Both. But they have to okay. be based in Europe, that's the problem. Ah, okay. Because uh, I have some uh, friends who might fit that, uh, like their kids. So what's the best way to uh, connect them with you? Or do you have a casting notice? I can just tell them to go look and see if so it fits them. Just tell them to send me an email. Send an email? Okay, I'll do that. Um, I just remember you saying that, so I figure I'd... Thank you. Share that in case. May or may not fit, but, you know, um, just oh, in case, you? you know. Yeah. I don't have a specific questions. I, mean, I just, as I think with most of the actors, you know, it's a, a wonderful to hear a different perspective from different casting directors, especially I'm in the US at the moment. I love the international market more so. Um, I think most of the questions that one would ask from the US side, I kind of know the answers to already. <laughs> but um, actually, I mean, the projects that you work on, especially like Hannah, you know, and those kind of projects are action oriented because my background is primarily that it's action based. Uh, not stunts per se, but it's more like you know the martial arts, fight choreography, that kind of style. Um, from what you've seen in the past few years with a lot of these projects that are going that direction, having this type of element, do you see more collaboration for unknown actors or actresses or any of the creative teams? Yeah, a lot more. I mean, a lot more, right? Yeah, a lot more because all the TV programs don't need stars to lead them, and they have hmm. a much bigger cast. So. Now I'm casting a lot more actors than I was three years ago because when I, I mean, I cast very few roles in Hannah because I just cast the Spanish cast. Right. Uh, but things, you know, like Warrior Nun, um, Snatch, um, what else? Am I doing? All kinds of things like that. They have primarily unknown cast. And then mm -hmm. we have one or two, which means, and they make stars, you know, things like Money Heist in Spain. Correct. You know, that was, I didn't cast it, but. I know the actors who cast it, and it's you know made them into worldwide stars. It's the third or fourth most seen program in the world, and for right. a Spanish language show, that's pretty good. So I think there are a lot more opportunities, and it's about having your skills. Like if you have stunt skills, make them better. Um, right. We cast quite a lot of people as stunt actors. I work very closely on some of the shows I work with with the stunt department because they have to say that they're okay. Um, right. And then, that's great. Um, 
then I have to say that they're okay as actors. So it's kind of using those things to get in, you know, and you know, particularly at the moment for Asian actors, we did the big drive with the CSA, the outreach mm -hmm. that. So it's yeah. a moment to take advantage of those things. I think one of the things is that actors quite often you try to be, because you're nice artistic people, you try to be fair in a very strange way, like, oh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I try to be more like the lowest common denominator. And whereas I really believe you have to work out what it is that you have in your hand that's unique and that you play it at that moment. And that might be having an Irish passport, might be being an Asian actor at the moment, making sure you get onto as many casting directors' radars as possible because they're gonna have to sit up and pay attention. Exactly right. I guess the follow-up question with that, this is, I guess, always subjective because every person has their personal preference. Um, I've heard different cast directors tell me different things depending on who you talk to. Uh, the most common question I've heard other people ask, and that's why I listen is, they'll say, is it okay to contact the casting director specifically for a project that they like? For example, let's, I don't know, let's just pretend it's Hannah, you know, or whatever the project is. And they know that that casting director, regardless of where they're based, is doing that or part of it. And then talent goes, oh, that's interesting. I kind of want to be on this project because I have a certain set of skills, et cetera. Yeah. Send over email or Harvard the contact and some casting directors don't like that. So I know it's all personal uh, yeah, preference it from there. I, 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 my advice on that is it doesn't yes. the worst thing that can happen is they ignore you That's right. the worst. like you don't get put on a blacklist for contacting people like you know lots of people send me really irritating mails but I don't remember sure. their names so like, right. You know, right. if the worst thing that can happen is that you get ignored so then exactly. if you right. feel like doing it you do it what, the reason I don't think actors should do it is when it makes you feel bad mm. about your like Truly an actor is good when they feel safe and self-confident. And therefore, if writing to 200 people who ignore you makes you feel shit, don't do it. Whereas if you can put it into a plan that you write to people, you contact them, and it, the advice is different. Like in LA, there's a lot more casting directors than there are. Then, you know, the advice would be different for, you know, like I've talked about it a lot with Guillaume who is here. You know, he's in a smaller territory. He's based in yes. Portugal. There are only three casting directors there. So you definitely don't want to piss them off. Right. You have to be more careful. But in right. LA or in London, you can just write the letter. I My suggestion, and I work on that a lot on the business courses that I teach, is, you know, you want to be treated as an individual, treat everyone as an individual. Work out how to contact them. You know, some people are very active on social media. Some people do workshops. Some people do this. Some people do that. Work out the people that you want to be on their radar and do it in a very slow, considered way. But right. on the other hand, like I have a really good example. I would definitely not advise contacting showrunners, for example. Mm -hmm. I think that you just Too busy. Yeah. tend to piss them off. But I've just cast somebody because he wrote to the showrunner on the, one of the shows I'm working for. And the showrunner really liked him for some reason that I still don't really know. Um, just checking his name here. It just worked out. Yeah, it worked out. But, <laughs> and then the showrunner was wrote, please, can you give this guy casting? And I was like, sure. And then he got the role. And he's delighted. Right. It's like, you know, he didn't live in the right place. He wasn't, in my opinion, the right what they were looking for. And he got the role. So these kind of things happen. You know, our industry is made up of mavericks. I don't think that you should go out there to try to be weird or strange or do things in a different way. But sometimes there are all these exceptions that prove the rule, you mm -hmm. know? And I think it's about, you know, trying to be authentic. Absolutely. Great. Thank you so much, Lucy. I'll share your email to them and hopefully 
one of the Thank kids you. fit the role. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure. Thank Hope you. to meet, meet you in person someday. Um, Thanks too. so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, how's Hazel? I think she's having trouble with the video, but can you um, unmute Hazel? Doesn't look like it. Um, all right, let's go to Georgina. Hi. Um, hi, Georgina. Um, hi. Um, my question is um, a bit more about your process in terms of from sort of start to finish. And say you got my casting brief and then my agent submitted me. Um, what would be your process in terms of getting everybody's submission from an agent and then narrowing that down do you do you start with headshots and kind of go well yeah that's actually definitely the casting brief or and then look further and further and then bring in for an audition or I just wondered how it, it just depends on the project again you know yeah. so it might be you know I'm looking for you know people and then I would you know sometimes if I'm looking I'm doing a wide search then I'll go you know say if I was looking for a young British actress with blonde hair then I might start on I would send out to all the agents I get all the submissions then I will go through the photos first on Spotlight, if I'm using Spotlight, which would be the way that I would probably mainly access British actors. And I so I'd see the submissions and then I say, oh, she looks interesting, she looks nice. Then I'd watch their showreel or their About Me video, uh, blah, 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 and then I'd ask them for an audition. That's the advantage of like self-tapes because then I can ask for many more auditions. Whereas if I was booking people into the room, particularly because if I'm going to England, I have to fly over there and then to studio, then I'd see less people. And it depends on the time frame. It depends on a whole range of different things about how many people, you know, there might be, you know, sometimes I quite often am looking for very, very difficult roles to find. It's part of the thing I do. So then that's, I'll see everybody. And then if I'm looking for roles that there is 455 submissions, yeah. I'm not gonna ask everybody for a self tape because I won't have time to see it. And I'll just think, oh, they look right. They look interesting. Ask them for self-tape and then move on. Oh, nice. Yeah. And okay. then it might be, you know, somebody will say, oh, please see Georgina. She's really, really good. And then I'll be like, yeah, of course. Mm, cool. Okay, great. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. Um, okay. So I can see um, Hazel's uh, put a question in the chat. So um, I'll just read it out. So she's a SAG actor. She's moved to Spain because she's got into Lambda, are there any restrictions on being part of SAG and casting in Spain? Yeah, we don't do SAG. Um, so you have to have, either if you're based in Spain, then, or it's the same as it is in the UK, they're not SAG productions, so they don't want you to be SAG, and then you have to make up your mind, and then um, either get them to do a waiver or not, okay? So, but I'm not a lawyer, but it's quite a common. SAG, by the way, is the society, um, the Union for Actors in America. And they're kind of, they have very, very strict rules on pensions and things like that. The okay. Actors Guild. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you're, um, I'm going to have to have help with pronouncing this one, mate. Um, I'll just ask you to unmute. Guillermo. Oh, okay, yeah, that's me. <laughs> Sorry, it's fine. It's I fine. can't believe you've still got questions to ask me. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's um, it's a detail. I just uh, been in a in a huge production here as a day player, and um, I want I, I'm not sure if I, if I, 
would ask them to put my uh, my uh, IMDb there with the with the name. You you told me once the name of the character would be important, and I'm not sure what what to ask. I mean, okay. So what was your character? I was a professor. Uh, I was a professor uh, for the main character. I had yeah. to. So, and what did they give you in the credits? What was your credit? Because you've done the contract already. It's normally like when you're doing something like that, like playing Professor, just say, can my credit be Professor um, Pinot? Okay. But not your name, but it's done beforehand. It's just, it's nicer instead of being waiter for to be John. Oh, okay. Nicer than, you know, quite often, you know, prostitute three. Okay. Mary Maria, it just, it looks better on IMDb if you give mm -hmm. your character name, but your cre credit is probably just going to be professor and that's okay as well. Okay. okay. But it's just like the same, when it's something like, you know, when you get past some of these, it doesn't cost them anything to give you a name. Like mm -hmm. I've done, you know, Cardinal one, two or three, then they could just have names. And then Cardinal Lennox or Cardinal Santoro or Cardinal Morton or Cardinal Whiffen just gives it a little bit more weight. Right. But if, if it was done before, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. It's just something to have in mind. Okay. Okay. okay thank you. You're welcome. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. So just over five minutes left. Does anyone else have a question? Um, oh, there we go. Okay. We'll go, we'll try and get both of you in. So we'll go Andreas and then we'll go to Raya. So. All right. Hi, Lucy. Thank you for facilitating. Um, I have a question. Uh, just curious to know, and it might be not the most relevant right now because it's about the, the in-room auditions. So I've heard a lot of people say that a casting director is actually able to decide whether or not an actor gets the role or not within the first like eight seconds from the moment they walk in to the place. I don't know if that's something you've heard, but like what's your take on that? Like from the moment they enter, until before they actually start doing something. Is that a real thing or is that more like a scarce scenario? I think we make our minds up about people in general very quickly in the same way that you have all made up your minds about everybody on this Zoom in under 30 seconds. But I've often thought people will get the role and they haven't got the role because a lot of other things come into play afterwards. Right. But certainly in the first 30 seconds, we can decide if somebody's right for the role. Also casting directors, we don't decide. You know, any, I think there's very few casting directors who decide, and they're the ones who are, in, you know, in the TV show, so they have a job as a studio executive casting director, but otherwise, we just put people forward. I put people forward with the creative team for approval. Like, when we're working for the studios, we put, we have to put two people forward for approval, and sometimes people don't get approved, and we have no idea why not, you know. Um, but I think... The thing about it is to remember is to be very authentic to, you know, if you've been called in because somebody wants you and if you go in, I mean, you can certainly tell if somebody's not going to go get the role and that's usually if their, um, their way of being nerves manifests itself as being passive aggressive or they can't take direction when the director's trying to tell them to do something. So there are, there are things where you can see that people aren't going to get the role pretty quickly, but otherwise you know, people can do amazing, amazing auditions and then they don't get the role because suddenly they decide that somebody, they want somebody with a name or maybe you look too like somebody else, you know, if you're going to 
you know, there could be many, many reasons why you don't get the role that we wouldn't know in the first um, three seconds or 30 right. seconds. Yeah. yeah, I think we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the way to think about it is more or less, it's, it's not you decide. So it's within the 30 seconds, you have an idea of how to give us advice to give us a better yeah. audition. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Well, thank you much. I won't take up more time. Thank you, Andreas. Raya. Hello, Lucy. Hello again. Nice to see you again. Um, Mine's just a quick question really about vaccines and what kind of the latest um, processes for castings. Is, is it still kind of the same in terms of testing or how have things changed with regards whether you need to have both vaccines, etc. And yeah. I don't think anybody in my world is requiring people to be vaccinated. I think it's at this stage where we like people to accept to be tested. I mean, you know, if we're doing in-person callbacks in my studio, people have to do the anti-flow test, but no, none of the productions, I mean, it's not legal in the United States to ask somebody if they've been vaccinated, by the way. So it's um, not a, it can't be a requisite on things, but we, the same way is that, you know, I'm doing shows at the moment where people have to quarantine for eight days before they're allowed on set in a hotel. And, you know, people are saying, but I'm doubly vaccinated. Why do I have to do that? And it's just like, you know, we're not, they're not asking those questions. So I think that, um, I mean, I'm very pro vaccination in a way, but I think it's everybody's choice. Like most things and people have, some people have reasons why they can't or won't. That's their thing. But I do believe that you should test and we test in my studio before we do callbacks. And then if somebody's positive and it happens, they have to go home in the same way, you know, it, we all know what the pandemic is and it's, you know, it's wherever or whatever your beliefs are, it's a highly infectious virus. So you have to avoid giving it to people who are doing their very best not to get it. Sure. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, and we just got time for Zilla. Hi Zilla May. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, my question is, um, as a casting director, what don't you want to see in an audition? Hmm. What don't I want to see in an audition? Mainly people that don't realize that direction is not criticism. Mm. So when I'm giving somebody in an audition, if I'm giving them direction, it's because I'm trying to work with them to get them to a place where they will be a really good candidate. And sometimes actors take direction as though I was criticizing their first take and it becomes a sort of like, mm, like I did it because of this reason. I'm like, no, I don't care why you did it. It's just, we're working together just like a conductor works with an orchestra to oh, yeah. make changes. So that's what I don't want to see in an audition. Okay. Thank you very much. Or drunk people or people on drugs or, violence or uh, mad people. Well, yeah. everybody's a little bit mad, so that's okay, but not dangerously mad. <laughs> oh, hello, Alan. I didn't see you before. Nice to see you as well. <laughs> Great. In the corner in the dark. <laughs> um, right on time, Lucy. Thank you so much for joining us. That was really insightful. Super grateful. Thanks everyone for coming as well. Thank, thank you, you so much for having me, Lucy. Thank you so much for your time.
Thank you, guys. It was Thank really so wishing you all a lot of joy in your acting journey. It's really nice to see people from all over the world. I think, oh, Ronald is here as well. Hello, Ronald. Nice to see you. Um, I think one of the things as actors is just to stay, you know, you all have so much in common. It doesn't matter where you're from, but it's your differences that make you interesting. So be aware that that's what makes it exciting to you know, I love being in this room, this Zoom room with you, and you're from all over the world. I can see people from every continent, practically. And you have a lot in common. You have the same questions and the same desire to be actors. But what makes you special, what makes you unique is your differences. So celebrate what you have in common and also celebrate what you have that makes you different and enjoy the journey. Remember, you know, being an actor is not from A to Z. It's not, you can't build like this. It's like a snakes and ladders. So enjoy the game. Okay. Great. Thank you. Run at it shouting. Do as he says. Run at it shouting. Ah.